Welcome to Scream Vember, a podcast slash audio tips blog to help you on your journey through NaNoWriMo this month. I know it hasn't quite started, it's October 31st if I've released this right, um, but I thought I might add a little bit extra to the other recording I did yesterday about a really quick five-point outline. Something I didn't actually address, I didn't. I don't think I really clarified the connection between that playground and play and world and, and character arc and situation that I was talking about with the whole circle thing. Um, I put a pit, some of the pictures of what I was describing up on Twitter, on my Twitter handle, Zebtopia. Um, but the next sort of point beyond that is something called snowflaking, which is where you take those five points that you have and now you do the same thing I talked about before, making the circle and all that, but you do that for each act. So for each of those five points, you turn those into a further five points and then you'll have a 25-point outline. I mean, you can skip the midpoint and kind of leave that as its own thing. It kind of has its own special tr- treatment. So really, it's by turning them all into five-point things, you're kind of making a five-act story. But at the end of the day, it's all, you know, gooses and geeses. It's the same stuff. Um, gooses and geeses? Yeah, the swans and geeses, similar animals, they're different, but you know, they they all eat fish, I think, I don't know. So I thought I might go through my process of expanding my, my same random idea I came up with last week and go through the process of turning that into a short 25 point outline, um, 20, 21 point, because I'll leave the midpoint on its own little thing. I'm going to do it in like 15, less than 15 minutes because it doesn't have to take long. You don't have to stress it over thinking about all this. Of NaNoWriMo, don't fall victim to that. It's not really the purpose of all this. The purpose is to get words on page. Any words, just throw them. Throw the first words that come into your head. Um, although it's better if they roughly align to a story. So, same thing as last week. First question, what's something you like? So you have your five-point outline, perhaps from last week, if not, whatever you have at the moment. Um, except instead of the question of what's your favourite movie, consider what your favourite movie was that you gave, or just any, it doesn't have to be that one, just a favourite movie thing. What's your favourite scene, or what's an iconic scene from within that that had some resonance to you? I'm not going to do any background music this time. You can pause it if you want, I guess. One sec, I'll still, I'll still leave, I'll just... There's a silence. Alright, you've had plenty of time to think now, that's all you need. Um, what you've got is your favourite scene. So, for example, with me, um, I think with Shrek, that first bit, um, besides like the musical sequence at the start, when he scares those villagers... They'll, they try to lynch him, and he just sort of goes boogie boogie, and they all run away. Uh, that scene's really good, um, because it's funny, but it also has a really good, really important plot function in that it really clearly establishes his current role in the world. He is a disliked member of society, and he embraces that, um, and follows the tropes of his, the world that the world has given to him, um. He tells himself he likes that, but he doesn't necessarily. And that's something, that thing that happens in 
every, like so many movies, that's just a simple thing that a lot of movies will do in some form. Having a character show what show them embracing something that they hate. There's a so-called thing called the lie the hero, the lie the character believes in, and the story and the rest of the story is about them unlearning that lie. Um, there's a book titled after that. No, the the book's called Creating Character Arcs by K.M. Wyland. Um, it's a good book. I highly recommend it. It's on Audible, and the reading's pretty good. Um, but one of the key points that they talk about in that is the lie the character believes in, and that is the foundation of an arc. So in the character, in the character that I've talked about with my uh, werewolf hunter that becomes a werewolf and then has to learn empathy... The lie they believe in is that, let's say, all werewolves are inherently evil. He just thinks that they're a horrible creature and there's no worthy, no, nothing worth, they're not worth empathising with. It's a pretty good character arc, especially in our modern age. Um, it's a good story to play with. But I want to establish, I want to spend that first act, that first point out of my five, which is the werewolf-hating man in his home environment and, you know, becoming a werewolf at the end of it. Um, I want to establish him in that situation through Act 1. So in my head, I'm going to draw that circle. I'm going to bisect it into four squares. Um, and the game we'll be playing for Act 1 is the werewolf hunter enjoying his craft of hunting. Not necessarily werewolves. No, he's like a Van Helsing. He just hunts things. I think maybe I'll make it, sorry, this is his first werewolf case. Um, maybe, or he's an apprentice. I don't know. I'm not sure what has more weight. Let's say he's an established werewolf hunter. It's, it has more weight that way. They have a lot more to sort through at the end of this if they've done a lot of hunting. Um, but the change is him becoming a werewolf. And that'll be the catalyst. There's two keywords that they talk about in the screenwriting. There's a couple, of course, but two ones that seem the most important to me when you're talking about Act 1, which is the catalyst and the debate. Um, so for my situation, the play is really that character getting you to showing that they're uh, loving hunting and all of that, and the change they're going to make is to going, at least at this point for the first act, they're going to be going, oh no, my hunting's being disrupted. Ah, a a a a, um, and then the world is probably not hunting. They're in the town doing the standing around in dark alleyways, looking you know gothic noir as they do in Van Helsing. Um, the second half is probably they're in the woods, probably probably tracking down a werewolf. Um, so my little circle grid goes for Act One of Act One is there happily a happily hunter in town. Um, act two of Act One, so the second quarter, which is to say the second three thousand words. That happy hunting constitutes the first three thousand words. Um, the second three thousand words is they're happily hunting in the woods. Um, something happens at the midpoint. They probably encounter the werewolf. He probably gets bitten in the confrontation. And then the third act. That's the catalyst that I was talking about. Then the third act of that Act One, so the next three thousand words. Um, is him going a a a a a still in the woods, um, kind of panicking, coming to terms with first being bitten, probably rejecting it, um, arguing about it, saying no 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 I haven't been bitten it's fine, 
um, thus constituting the debate. The reason the debate's important, it's something that comes up a lot in a lot of stories in some form. It's one of those hero's journey things, they call it the refusal of the call. It's useful beyond just being a straight-up refusal of going on an adventure. It's the character reacting to the catalyst and being conflicted by it, which is an important thing to show because if they just sort of go, yep, okay, let's go on that journey, it just, it just has a lack of resistance to it and your story is just going to be on oil the whole time. You want bumps. Then it's going to be, it's going to be a slippery dip. You don't want a slippery dip. You want, you want a curvy slippery dip. You want a roller coaster. Um, yeah, but he goes through the debate in the woods. He probably does transform at that point, and his ally is like, or maybe he does transform. His ally is like, "Ooh, bugger!" Doesn't kill them immediately. They hesitate. Um, he turns back into a human, and then through the last act of Act One, the next three thousand words. So the last second half of the debate, they return to town, and him and his ally talk about it. Um, going, huh, huh, pretty awkward. And he goes, goes, well, let's let's kill you. And he's like, oh, wait a minute. How about we, how about we don't, you know? And then he goes, mm, we got it. And then he runs away. And then starts to break in act two. There's a definitive conflict there. They have a fight. He runs out of the out of that town. Maybe migrates over to the next town. And now we're in act two, which is the second, the bottom right quarter of my original outline from last from yesterday's episode so it was about now it's the struggles of being a werewolf or dealing with that so now we're in act two um so at this point we've exhausted twelve thousand words we've spent a week doing nanorimo doing all of that at this point now we're in the second week the point of the first half of the second act um is to show the character learning. And also, something you almost always have, and how you can detect an act break in a movie with really high accuracy, is to look for the moment where they meet a new character at about you know, at about a quarter of the movie. But they meet a character. In Harry Potter, he hops on the train to Hogwarts and he meets Harry and Ron. He also, um, also shortly does the sorting ceremony and all of that and meets all the schoolmates. Um, in... In the Hunger Games, um, they meet Hamish for the first time, um, the mentor character. Like it's either a buddy character that will that is new to them, um, a mentor character that will be their guide through the story in some form. It might sometimes be the antagonist. You usually do have a nemesis established some somewhere here, which actually works really well in my werewolf story here because that's just his buddy that he just had to fight with. That's the nemesis. That's the antagonist of his story. I think I guess the reason they do that so early in Act Two is because it's the last bit of it's kind of like a last bit of new information for the rest of the story. For most of the story after that, you're not really introducing new characters, and that's sort of your last little chance to do it. So I think in terms of a werewolf story, a good buddy character is he probably meets some kind of creature, some kind of werewolf expert of some kind that is more empathetic, and is already you know has acquaintances with the lesson, so they can help them on that lesson. Um, he probably goes to see, and he doesn't go to the woods yet, he skips that first town, he goes over to a neighbouring town and talks to his old mentor who has got out of the game about it, and he thinks he can trust them, probably, maybe they're a family member, they're like an uncle or something, and they're like, the other guy's probably his brother, We're echoing a lot of supernatural or something here. Um, talks to his uncle, or grandfather, who, I think his grandfather, because his grandfather physically can't... Nah. 
Probably needs to be a werewolf. And Shrek is Donkey, although Donkey's introduced earlier, I think, than that point. But he does serve as that character, I think. No, actually, you know what? Erase that. He gets chased out of town immediately. He's now in the woods, and he's, like, wandering around, struggling on the first night. And he runs into a... He runs into an old man living in the woods. There might be something ambiguously sort of connecting back to the werewolf they were hunting before, but maybe it is that werewolf, but they don't know it yet because they didn't see it as a human, and this is a human. The old dude helps him, essentially. And he spends some time trying to survive in the woods um, while they hide out from the things. And then Act 2 is just him learning to be in the woods and all of that. He has to hunt some game because it's probably a medieval, you know, gothic setting. Now that helps him. Um, at some point through that. Um, but yeah. Sorry for the chaotic sort of nature of this. This is very stream of consciousness sort of podcast, audio blog. Yeah, it's what it says in the box. So I'm drawing a second circle on my head for the first half of Act 2. Um, bisecting it. The world and the change. The change is the werewolf or the hunter, our main character. Um, going from a state of complete revulsion in his situation um, to, you know, coming more to terms with it and understanding it a little bit more. And the world is probably the, the woods and then the deep woods. Probably he goes to a werewolf town or a coven or like... They probably have, in their people forms, they have a regular village somewhere out there. It's like a hideout. So... So, drawing that on the circle, the bottom half is hideout, top half is regular woods, the right half is hating himself, the second half is going, maybe this isn't so bad. Um, so, the first 3,000 words are meeting the buddy and being real down on himself, and the buddy's like, don't be such a downer. Um, the second 3,000 word slot um, is he's taken over to the werewolf hideout because of something. Maybe the other guy doesn't know he's a hunter yet. That'd be a good bit of a uh, conflict later on as the story develops. They're both keeping information from each other. Um, he's just been, they've both been sort of vague. He went, let's just go out here. The other guy thinks, suspects he's a werewolf, but doesn't know he's a hunter. So he gets taken to the hideout and he says, this is a bit weird. And he sort of clocks on to them being all werewolves, but he's not going to hunt them but he's like kind of thinking about it. He's kind of has some conflict about. Um, I mean, if you want to go into dark themes, he considers offing himself. He considers offing them. He considers killing everyone. It's a story about monster hunting and about someone who could become the thing they feared. It's going to be a natural part of that kind of story. Um, but he comes to empathize with them, I think, already at this point in the story, even if he's not completely sold. He just doesn't tell them a hunter. He just lives among them and kind of does a Jane Goodall thing. He goes, oh, no, I'm just I'm just one of you guys. But at this point, he's intending fully to betray them, I imagine. Maybe he learns of a cure. That's probably, that's probably something that's necessary to this story. He thinks there is a cure for the lycanthropy, so he's kind of holding out for that. Maybe they mention it, and he goes, oh, I'm going to get to know these people. Something happens, I reckon actually, yeah, the midpoint of Act 2 is learning about the cure for, a cure for being a werewolf. 
and then he goes, oh, and he gets real nice to him, but it's a false niceness, but they, they come to like him too, they don't know he's a hunter. Um, but then the last part of that is coming out of the hideout because the hunter shows up, or he gets in touch with the hunter in some form, he goes and talks to them about it, and goes, look, I've got a cure, um, yeah, yeah, he, he goes and talks, he gets to know the villagers, the werewolf villagers, figures out what they are, figures out there's a cure, and then he goes, I'm going to go meet with my old ally, it's all good, we, we, he doesn't have to murder me. So he goes and finds them out, finds them and tells them about the cure, and they go, aha, ha. yeah, totally, buddy, that's true, and then they try to kill him. Um, there's a big fight in the woods, they chase him again, and then the werewolves help him. They save his life from the from the hunter, from his hunting buddy. And that's the midpoint of the story that I was talking about, the third point out of my five-point original outline. So that midpoint event is key in causing change in him because he's finally realized that his buddy isn't, isn't on his side anymore. Maybe there's a particularly uh, mean verbal exchange then where the guy is just like, I will never stop hunting you, no matter what. There's no such thing as a cure. Or at least there's like a lot of skepticism in the scientific community as to whether it's really valid. Like they only kind of kind of accuses them, but then they still the prejudice remains. I think people who have been cured from lycanthropy are still somewhat aggressive. Something, something, something. Um, to that effect. I realize I'm, I'm running very low on time, so in the last like four minutes, next four minutes, I'm going to try and do the next two acts. All right, so I'm going to draw another circle for the third act. Uh, I'm going to bisect it. So the worlds are probably, they're out in the forest again, but then the second world is deep back in the hideout, but like in a healing sort of thing, because he's really badly hurt, where he gets to know people um, more closely. Um, the change is, the first half, he's going to be, he's going to be hurting. He's, and, but he's not going to be entirely on the side of the people who saved him yet. Like he... He is begrudgingly thankful, but he still is pretty self-hating. In fact, this is probably the part of the story where he really sort of wrestles with his darker self that he has to sort of figure out. But then I want the change to be that he comes around to empathy by the end of that point. And that's something that's common in stories. Using the second half of Act 2, they call it the all is the, the bad guys close in, which can be the bad guys from outside or inside. So temptation grows, characters sort of fall to their worst selves, are punished for it, and then they finally come out. And that's where most of the change happens. The third act in most stories, especially action movies, is pretty redundant. Nothing really happens. They just sort of shoot at each other, kick and jump. Um, not saying that's a bad thing in terms of movies, but in terms of books, it can be less effective. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so he spends the first half being, you know, I hate you all still. Um, it gets real dark through those next 6,000 words. There'd have to be some sort of B-plot thing happening. I won't work that out now. But I know the midpoint of the second half of Act 2, the all, which is aligns with the all is lost at 75% of your story. So in terms of our NaNoWriMo word count, we're at about 40,000 words, I think. Something like that. Um... The, he tells, or they find out, he tells them, or they find out that he is a werewolf hunter, and they go, oh, oh, hmm, that sucks, but I think the key thing is they don't reject him as violently as the hunter did when he changed groups, they just go, okay, fair enough, 
<laughs> don't. Maybe they see it as an opportunity to, in like truth, since they see it as an opportunity to try and improve their image in town by bringing around a hunter. But point is, they show him empathy, and he goes, "Huh, I thought you'd all kill me." And then, but I think he doesn't react positively straight away. He actually gets really sad. He's less angry, more just conflicted and angry at his own people for not showing him the level of empathy that this outgroup has shown him, which. That's a cool arc moment. They'd call that the dark side of the soul. And then he comes out of it probably by talking to his mentor buddy that he established earlier on who he now knows is a werewolf as well and all of that. A lot of movies handle this, that buddy beat, but they, a lot of the time, so much of the time, it's a romance plot. Not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just a very popular trope to introduce. Like, I guess in a certain sense, I've inadvertently, I'm actually doing Avatar. The Blue People Avatar with Dances with Wolves. God. I'm doing Dances with Wolves. With a werewolf story. I didn't mean to do that. That wasn't intentional. But whatever. I'm going to call this story uh, Hunting with Wolves. Um, but yeah, they meet a romantic character. Uh, develop a romantic interest. And that's their way into understanding the other group. Or understanding the other world and situation. I'm not going to do that here. There's no romance plot here. No way. It's not dancing with wolves. He just learns to love the group. He doesn't need. He doesn't need to fall in love with a person. Um, his PP doesn't have to be involved. It's just empathy for the sake of empathy. Um, and then for the last, for the last circle with this minimal time I have left, bisect it. That this part of the story is typically the return. So that last dot point, he returns to confront the hunter. I think he's gonna go back and try and argue their cause or something like that by going directly to the mayor or going directly to some figure. He goes in the town um, and tries to... There might be some other stakes. Maybe someone gets kidnapped. I mean, that's a pretty popular trope. It's pretty easy, but sometimes easy is good, especially when you're doing NaNoWriMo and you just want to get the words out. So, okay, a werewolf buddy is kidnapped and he goes, ah, bugger, and he goes in the town employing his hunter skills to try and save them and he has a final confrontation with, uh, with old mate from Act 1, his buddy, who his ally, who was hunting him. Um, so in terms of drawing the circle, bisecting it into four quarters, the worlds are new world, old world, I think. Um, so the top half is the, is the werewolf situation, like he's in the woods a bit, and the second half he's in town. I mean, the bottom half he's in town. The right half he's um, showing change. So at this point, there's not a lot of character change left, but it's still valid to show. I think what I, how I think of this section of the story is less that the character's changing, but more the world's changing. So the right half of this is the world still hates werewolves. And the second half of this is he finally inspires everyone and brings it all around and convinces his... Old, old allies that, you know, maybe we shouldn't just hunt for the sake of hunt. Maybe we should try and work through people, uh, people's uh, problems with them and figure it out and empathize. Um, there's maybe more to it than hate. Um, so the way that circle then works is he's out of town in the woods. They still hate him. He crosses over for the next, three, for the next half the next quarter of Act 3. I'm sorry if this terminology is confusing. This would really be better if I was drawing it on a whiteboard. Maybe I should make this a YouTube thing. Yeah, meh, whatever. 
Um, he returns to town and there's a big confrontation with the hunter and all of that as he tries to save his kidnapped ally. Um, and then the midpoint of that is he loses or he wins? I don't know. He probably transforms into a werewolf, actually. That's probably the better way to do it. And he goes, Rrr, and then, because he probably needs to show in his werewolf state that he doesn't kill someone. Yeah, to empathize. And so the next quarter is the town's finally coming around, but he's still in town, is he doesn't go nuts in the town. He, is a, he turns into a werewolf and then he saves someone. Um, and they go, <gasps> werewolves don't do that. That's ridiculous. And then the last 3,000 words is, you know, them going, huh, well, that's pretty good. Everyone's high-fiving. We move into the epilogue. The end. There we go. That's a full outline in 24 minutes. Yeah. I hope that's helpful. I know that's interesting listening to me talk about my idea that I'm coming up with on the fly. Most of that I didn't, uh, I have no plan for. I just came up with that. So... The point I'm trying to illustrate is you don't have to labour this when you're planning for NaNoWriMo. You don't have to overthink it. You just need to jot down points. Come up with like five points originally, turn each of those points into five points, vaguely using the sort of methods I was talking about if, if you want. If that's not your thing, it doesn't matter. Point is, when in doubt, just sprint forward. You don't, don't overthink it. That's not what this is about for NaNoWriMo. Good luck tomorrow with the beginning of day one.